Though it uses electricity, an electric piano like a Rhodes or a Wurlitzer is not actually an electronic instrument. It's an acoustic one. The keys hit hammers, the hammers hit a string or a tine, and those sounds are amplified with pickups, kind of like an electric guitar. Welcome to Strong Songs, a podcast about music. I'm your host, Kirk Hamilton, and I'm so glad that you joined me to talk about music played on acoustic pianos, music played on electric pianos, and sometimes music played on digital samplers that sound like acoustic pianos. Strong Songs doesn't have any sponsors, Strong Songs doesn't sell any ads, and yet I dedicate dozens of hours to making each episode of the show. The only way that that is possible is thanks to the support of listeners like you, so if you like this show and you want to help me keep making it, visit the Patreon or PayPal links in the show notes. On this episode, we're continuing our recent run of songwriters who specialized in beautiful lyric writing, and so we'll be focusing on a song by one of the great lyricists of the 21st century. We've got some strings to arrange and some abstract concepts to interpret, so let's put on our thinking caps and get into it. So here's a question for you. What makes a beautiful lyric? It's not a question with a real answer, but it's an endlessly fascinating thing to ponder. A great lyric can hit you so hard, it can leave you breathless on the floor the very first time you hear it. Or a great lyric can pass you by, it can elude you for years until decades later on your 100th time hearing it. It unlocks for you and reveals an entirely new meaning. Lyrics can be some of the most subjective, difficult to pin down elements of a song. That's certainly true for me. They're nowhere near as clean and easy to explain as the chord progression under a melody or the arrangement of a horn section. But lyrics are an essential element of most great songs, and as I've been exploring on recent episodes on master lyricists like Jimmy Webb, Tori Amos, Joni Mitchell, there's a lot of power sitting at the intersection of words and music. And that brings us to yet another great lyricist that I want to talk about on Strong Songs, and I want to talk about one of his best-known songs. It's a song that I love, that I've loved since the first moment that I heard it, and yet I'm still finding new layers of meaning in those beautiful lyrics. This song comes in the midst of a challenging, bleak album, and like an old friend in a hard time, it places a blanket around your shoulders, looks into your eyes, and offers what comfort it can. Jesus, don't cry You can rely on me, honey You can combine anything you want On this episode, I'm going to be talking about the great Jeff Tweedy, lead singer and songwriter for the band Wilco. And while there are a lot of Wilco songs that I could have talked about on Strong Songs in the end, I had to go with the galactic truths and intimate comforts of their 2001 song, Jesus, Etc. Tall buildings shake, voices escape, singing sad, sad songs. Tilted chords strung down your cheeks. Bitter melodies turning your orbit around. 
Jesus Etc. comes in the middle of Wilco's acclaimed 2001 album Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, and it's a song that lives and dies by its subtleties. A light, pulsing rhythm track leaves a ton of space for an abstracted conversation between a vocalist and a string section, the band shifting and breathing as the lyrics move from tears running down a person's face to shaking, scraping buildings to the turning, burning orbit of a setting sun. Each one is a setting sun Tell building shit Based out of Chicago, Wilco got their start in the mid-1990s. They embodied the thoughtful, experimental art rock of that era. They started out in the kind of alt-country world and gradually grew to become a national institution. Since the mid-2000s, they've been putting on live shows that I've heard are among the best live concerts a person could see. I've never seen them live, but I've always wanted to. One time I shared a bill with Nels Klein, the amazing guitar player who played with Wilco all through the 2000s and still plays with them today, uh, though I've never seen them live. I wish that I could. 2001's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, the album that includes Jesus Etc., along with a number of other really great Wilco songs, marked the beginning of that sort of era. It was definitely a departure for them, a more experimental, sonically adventurous album. It's really quite a record. Like a lot of my favorite albums, it's one that I found challenging at first, and then over time, I found that it opened up to me, and eventually it became one of my favorites. I am an American aquarium drinker I assassin down the avenue I'm hiding out in the big city blinking What was I thinking when I let go of you? The album opens with the track I Am Trying to Break Your Heart, which is a pretty arresting title for a song, if you ask me. And it opens with some typically tweety lyrics. I am an American aquarium drinker. I assassin down the avenue. I'm hiding out in the big city blinking. What was I thinking when I let go of you? What was I thinking when I let go of you? Like with so many of Jeff Tweedy's best lyrics, and indeed like with so many of the best song lyrics in general, it's both specific and vague. The words don't always technically work when you put them next to one another, and yet when you hear them all in order, and when you hear Jeff sing them, you're left with this indelible image. It somehow makes sense together. What that image is, well, that'll be different for you than it is for me, and it'll be different for me now than it was for me five years ago. Yes, Tracy, you were up all night when you went to bed. The ashtray says you were up all night. That's actually one of my favorite Jeff Tweedy lyrics. It's not even off of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. It's off of its predecessor, Summer Teeth, the tune A Shot in the Arm. And I loved Summer Teeth. I listened to it a ton, especially back in my 20s and the 2000s. And I never really thought about that lyric very much. And then one day I was just singing the song to myself like I sometimes do. And it hit me, oh, that's how the ashtray said you were up all night. If you wake up in the morning and you see that the ashtray out front is full of new cigarette butts, it tells a whole story about someone up smoking late into the night. I knew you were up all night because the ashtray told me. It implies this whole story, a relationship, a situation with only a few words at the beginning of a song. The ashtray said you were up all night 
just to mention it here while we're talking about Summer Teeth, She's a Jar off the same album is one of my favorite works of lyric writing anywhere. Talk about a song that takes on new meaning every few years when I return to it. When I forget how to talk, I'll sing. Won't you please bring that flash to shine? And turn my eyes red, unless they close. But when you click and my face gets sick, stop. So as we get into Jesus, etc., I want to sort of center that idea, how a songwriter can arrange words so that they don't make literal sense, but they make emotional sense, and how that emotional truth can sometimes be truer than the one that comes from dictionary definitions or style guide rules. The first time that I listened to it, I found Yankee Hotel Foxtrot to be a pretty distressing, anguished album. Tweety would sing things like, All my lies are always wishes. I know I would die if I could come back new. Mixed with the album's production with so many strange sounds rummaging around in the mix, it was a bittersweet experience and it was a little bit overwhelming for me the first time I put the album on. I'm down on my hands and knees Every time the doorbell rings I shake like a toothache When I hear myself sing 20 years later, it all hits me differently. I know a bit more about what it's like to dream about coming back new, having another chance to get right everything that you got wrong up to this point. And nothing about the song has changed, but I've changed, and the spaces and images that I conjure around and through Tweety's lyrics have taken on new form and meaning. And this album, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, has also really taken on a new meaning for me all these years later. The album's first four tracks introduce a world of loss and heartbreak, but not, as I initially thought, a world without hope. You just have to wait for that hope to reveal itself. Take the fourth track, the one immediately before Jesus Etc., War on War. Initially, Tweety sings, there's a war on war, there's a war on war, you're gonna lose. You have to learn how to die. But then later in the song, Tweety's message subtly shifts. Yes, this is a harsh world. You're going to lose the war on war. You have to learn how to die. But you have to learn how to die if you want to be alive. So there's hope in those first four tunes. It's just sometimes it's a bleak hope. And it's into that context that Jesus Etc. arrives, the fifth track on the album, and it begins, both musically and lyrically, in a completely different mode than the songs that preceded it. Strings and electric piano hover over a simmering rhythm section, with drum and bass panning that recalls the mix on a late 60s soul record. And after all that sadness and death, Tweety's opening lyrics tell a very different story. Jesus, don't cry You can rely on me, honey 
So Jesus Etc. is simpler musically than a lot of other Wilco songs that I could have talked about. It doesn't have the maximalist approach to production that turned up so often on Summer Teeth, for example. There's no Mellotron strings or duplicated hard pan vocal effects. It's actually simpler in terms of production and arrangement than most of the other songs on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. That's what makes it powerful to me, but it also means that this won't be an overly technical arrangement or harmony-minded analysis. The magic of this song is in its gentleness and in how it subtly layers and shifts its arrangement as Tweedy's lyrics travel from place to place, introducing new, beguiling images and ideas. You can rely on me, honey. You can come by any time you want. Jesus Etc.'s lyrics were, of course, written by Jeff Tweedy, who also sang lead vocals and, I assume, played some guitar. The music was by Tweedy and guitarist Jay Bennett, who worked with Tweedy on the arrangement. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot would be Bennett's last album with Wilco. He was replaced with another great guitar player named Nels Klein, who still plays with the band today. Klein actually joined the band in 2004. As for the title of the song, it is kind of an unusual title, and the story I've seen, at least, is that Tweedy had initially named the song Jesus Don't Cry, and then Bennett wrote Jesus Etc. on the demo tape, and then the band all kind of decided that they liked that name and decided to go with it. I'm not 100% if that's true, but it certainly sounds true to me as someone who has named quite a few songs in similar ways. Back to personnel, John Sturrett played bass and Glenn Kochi played drums. Both turned in really lovely performances. They're gentle and subtle. They're certainly not showy, but they're crucial to the song's overall sound. Leroy Bach is playing electric piano, another lovely performance. And Jesse Green and Fred Lonberg-Holm both have string credits on this album, so I presume the string section is those players, though overdubbed, because there are often more than just two string instruments playing at any given moment. So let's start at the very beginning, and like I said, there's not a lot to break down in this arrangement. The whole band is in from the start, and the most remarkable thing about it is the panning, or where each instrument is placed in the left-right stereo image. So as you can hear, especially if you're listening on headphones, the drums are panned over to the left, and the bass is panned over to the right. So that's unusual for a modern record, and actually that's unusual for this modern record. The standard way to mix drum and bass these days is to put the kick, snare, and bass right in the center with cymbals and toms panned out to the sides, typically in a way that recreates the actual layout of the drums. The bass and drums are the heart of the groove, and it makes sense to have them right in the middle. Most other tracks on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot pan the bass and drums that way. Take Heavy Metal Drummer comes a couple of tracks after Jesus Etc. That's a straightforward driving beat, and it's got centered drums and bass. Same thing goes for the song War on War, which immediately precedes Jesus Etc. Bass and drums right in the middle. The 
So in that context, Jesus Etc. sounds immediately different, and a lot of that is due to the rhythm section panning. The drums and the bass have been placed in different zip codes on the left and the right, and the strings and chordal instruments are sitting in the space between them. It's a totally different energy, especially coming out of that straightforward groove on War on War, and it helps jar the listener into a totally different headspace. It makes the song sound more like a 60s soul tune, and I think part of that is that it's common to hear this kind of drum and bass panning on late 60s soul and rock records. Jesus don't cry You can rely on me, honey the effect in the end is to leave this huge space in the middle for Tweedy's vocals and later his string arrangement to come through, and it's really effective, especially in the context of this album. You write about the stars. Each one is a setting sun. This first begins in D minor, which is the six minor in the key of F major. That's the relative minor to F. So we're kind of in a minor tonality here at the beginning. And like a lot of songs, Jesus Etc. goes back and forth between minor and major, in this case between D minor and F major. And just as a reminder, relative minor and relative major are just two keys that have all the same notes. They're just arranged differently so they sound either major or minor. An F major scale has a single flat. It's got a B flat. And if you play that from F to F, it sounds like an F major scale. You play those same notes with that single B flat from D to D and suddenly you have D minor or D aeolian minor if you want to get technical about it but that's what relative minor and relative major are it's just a different way of arranging the same notes to get a different kind of sound so we're here on D minor at the beginning and then it goes to A minor which is the three minor another very common chord then it goes back to D minor and instead of going back to A it goes to B flat major the four chord and then it resolves to one F major now you've heard this chord progression or versions of it in a million songs. With one notable exception, Jesus Etc. never strays outside of the basic building block songwriting chords. One major, four major, and five major, and two minor, three minor, and six minor. But it's all really well put together, and I like how often this song does this kind of move. It starts on one chord, then it goes to another, then it goes back to the first chord, and then it goes to a new chord the second time. This is a tried and true songwriting technique, but they use it really well here and throughout this song to keep you moving through new sections, even though they all sound kind of familiar because they're not too far removed from one another. So listen back to just that first verse, and I'll play along on piano so you can pay attention for that shift as the song moves from a minor tonality, D minor and A minor, into major, B flat major, to F major up to C, and then back again to D minor for the start of the second phrase. Jesus don't cry You can rely on me, honey Anything you want. So the chords go D, I'll be around. A, then D, you flat about the star to F, each one G minor is a setting to C. Jesus, don't cry. You can rely on me, honey. You can combine anything you want.
There is a whole pantheon of amazing opening lyrics for songs. The first lyrics you sing in a song tend to be pretty important, like the opening lines of a novel or the first frame of a movie, and surely this line is among them. There's so much going on right out of the gate. The line, Jesus don't cry, is both arresting and ambiguous. Is the singer addressing Jesus, the religious figure, or is he using the word Jesus more as an exclamation, as in, oh Jesus, don't cry? It's unclear and it's made even less clear by the second line, you can rely on me, honey. It's not common to call Jesus the religious figure honey, but it's also not totally impossible. And then we have you can combine anything you want. What does that mean? Combine what? There are a few different interpretations of what that could mean. I certainly have my own, but just take that lyric as its own thing and really live in it. Jesus, don't cry. You can rely on me, honey. You can combine anything you want. Jesus, don't cry. You can rely on me, honey. You can combine anything you want. And Tweety continues. I'll be around. You write about the stars. Each one is a setting sun. So again, we have this evocative ambiguity. I'll be around. You were right about the stars. Each one is a setting sun. That's one of those almost perfect lyrics that's almost too perfect. You can almost imagine it in a greeting card, but it's given this meaningful specificity both by Tweety's vocal performance, which is just pretty raw. He's a pretty raw singer in general, but more importantly, by the context provided by the lyrics around it. It's not totally clear who the singer here is addressing, but the tone and emotional core of this verse are very clear, at least to me. This is one person offering comfort to another, being constant and reliable. You can rely on me. I'll be around. And then being validating and reassuring. You were right. You were right about the stars. Each one is a setting sun. I'll be around. You write about the stars. Each one is a setting sun. So before we go any further, before we get into that spectacular chorus, I want to introduce a way of thinking about Jeff Tweedy's lyrics. As a lyricist, Jeff Tweedy is constantly moving between two poles of meaning. At times, he's extremely clear. He can be bracingly honest. You can rely on me, honey. That lyric kind of lines up with that. That's a straightforward lyric. You can rely on me, honey. But at times, he's much more abstract. He assembles turns of phrase and word pairings that don't make specific direct sense, but still manage to make a sort of emotional sense, like I mentioned earlier. When he sings, you can combine anything you want, it's not totally clear what he means by that, but it still sort of makes a kind of sense. So as we continue to work through the lyrics of this song, I want to talk a little bit about Jeff Tweedy's process, since I think it helps understand how he manages to float so effortlessly between those two kinds of meaning, that direct, honest meaning, and that more abstract, emotional meaning. I've been reading Tweedy's book. It's a fantastic book. It's called How to Write One Song. I can't say enough good about it. Everybody should read it. If you like strong songs, you will like this book. It's a brilliant and it's a very practical look inside his process. And I've found it to be inspiring in a way that very few books that I've read about creativity or writing are. 
So Tweedy is a very workmanlike songwriter. He's not one of those people who sits around waiting for inspiration to strike. He writes every day, and he has a bunch of techniques that he uses to get himself into a creative mentality and to start making creative connections. He's talked a lot about his process in various places. He talks about it quite a bit in his book. And he was recently a guest on Ezra Klein's podcast, where he described one method in particular really well, I thought. He talked about using a word ladder where he makes two different ladders of two different types of words, and then starts just drawing connections between them to see what he winds up with. You maybe imagine all of the verbs associated with a profession, like a baseball player, and you, you know, write down the verbs like swing, slide, spit, you know, whatever. You know, there's a lot of different things you can put in the other column of the, of, you know, say you put 10 verbs on one side and you put 10 nouns that are maybe randomly chosen or maybe you could, you know, just pull the nouns out of a paragraph in the newspaper in front of you. And then I just stare at the page and and think, well, how does this verb work against this noun? And I start to draw lines between, not directly across, but, you know, looking at the 10 words on each side of the page, thinking, okay, you know, how is the star spitting? How did I slide into love? Or, uh, you know, like the ver- when you like kind of dismantle all of the, the ways we kind of simplify language for ourselves, we, we tend to group verbs with nouns. We tend to think of certain adjectives and certain adverbs in more compartmentalized chunks that makes language a little flat. And for me, when I start to look at how different verbs work on different nouns that shouldn't shouldn't go together. It just unlocks a world of thought and a world of like a you know a story emerges sometimes or or just at the very least images that I never anticipated and before you know it you're daydreaming. It's a fantastic interview with Ezra Klein. I'll link it in the show notes. And if you like this episode, you should really go and listen to it, too, because you'll probably like it. But that technique, it explains so much about the way that Tweedy finds these unusual lyrical ideas and connections. A line like, I am an American aquarium drinker at the start of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. That's an incredible opening line for a song and for an album. It beautifully encapsulates the sort of sickly feeling of American overconsumption in just a few words. I am an American aquarium drinker. And if you, like me, heard that and wondered, how did he come up with that? Well, picturing a ladder exercise like the one he describes helps make that seem a little bit more achievable. I am an American aquarium assassin down the avenue. So in Jesus Etc., when Tweety sings, you can combine anything you want, I don't know. I mean, you can see so many things in it at once. You can see something about combining drugs. You can see something religious, turning water into wine. But I also see a bit of Tweety's own process reflected in the lyrics, those ladders of connection that he uses to unlock the feeling that he wants to evoke. I'll be around You write about the stars Each one is a setting sun. And nowhere does he do that more effectively than in the chorus. Tall buildings shake, voices escape, singing sad, sad songs. Tilted chords strung down your cheeks, bitter melodies turning your orbit around. 
So, you know, no big deal. Just one of the most beautiful lyrical refrains I've ever heard in my entire life. But before we get into the lyrics, let's go back through the music and the arrangement. It's still so gentle and sparse. This arrangement has a very light touch. New textures and parts step in and out of the recording with sock-clad feet on carpet. Here in the chorus, an acoustic guitar actually joins the mix. It's just electric on the verse, but this acoustic sneaks its way in it oh so quietly joins the electric. It begins playing underneath Tweedy's unaccompanied vocals and gives him just a bit more support. Tall building shake. Voices escape singing sad, sad songs. It's subtle, but you can barely hear it underneath the vocals. Bitter melodies turning orbit around. So yeah, it's an understated mix on this track in general, but that understatement helps little things like that acoustic guitar make a bigger difference than they otherwise might. Harmonically speaking, the chorus follows a pretty different chord progression from the verse. It's another classic kind of progression, the descending staircase, or at least that's how I think of it. It uses chord inversions to give a feeling of steady downward movement. We start on F major, then we go to C over E, then to D minor, then C sharp augmented, sort of D minor major 7 over C sharp, then to B flat, the 4 chord, and then we resolve to 1. So that downward feeling comes from those chord inversions. It goes F, E, D, C sharp, B flat, and then down to F, down the octave. It's a common chord progression for a lot of reasons. It's very harmonically tidy, but one of the reasons is that it works really well on guitar. When they play this, Jeff Tweedy puts his capo up on the fifth fret, the capo being the metal gripper that clamps across the guitar fretboard and raises the guitar's open key to whatever fret you place it on. Putting a capo on five raises every chord shape that's like an open chord shape, C, G, A minor. They all get raised by a fourth. So a C chord, a really easy basic open chord, becomes an F chord. Or an A minor, another basic open chord, becomes a D minor. G major becomes C major. So it's really easy to play that sort of descending line starting on the guitar's C shape, which, if you put the capo on five, means that you're actually playing an F chord, which is the first chord of the chorus to this song. Voices escape singing sad, sad songs. Tilted chords strung down your cheeks. Bitter melodies turning your orbit around. Tall buildings shake, voices escape singing sad, sad songs. Tuned to chords strung down your cheeks. Bitter melodies turning your orbit around. There's a whole world of interpretation around those words and around this song in general, and the vital, most important thing that I want to hammer home as we continue to talk about the lyrics of this song is that there is no correct interpretation of this song. There's no correct interpretation of any song, but there's definitely no one interpretation of Jesus, etc., and Tweedy has been explicit about the fact that he intends his lyrics to spark connections and meaning for people that not only go beyond whatever intent he may have had when he wrote them, but go beyond the words that he wrote and into the spaces and the ideas that exist around and outside of them. Tall building shake, voices escape, singing sad, sad songs. Tilted chords strung down your cheeks, bitter 
In How to Write One's Song, Tweedy suggests that often you can discover that, in his words, you're better off learning how to write without much concern for what you're writing about. He then says of this song, quote, Jesus, etc. was never about anything specific to me until I sang it live for the first time and learned how sincerely it conveyed my wish for a better sense of unity with my extremely devout Christian neighbors, unquote. I love the language he uses to describe that experience. I think he chooses his words very carefully so as not to imply that that was the song's intended meaning. He understands how much weight people want to put on his interpretation of his own work since it's his work. So he's clear that the song wasn't about anything specific until he sang it and the words came out of him and in that moment of performance, he realized that it actually conveyed this strong feeling that he'd been having. Songwriting, like any artistic process, is a strange blend of intention and discovery, and I think Tweedy's way of describing that particular feeling perfectly encapsulates that. Tall buildings shake, voices escape, singing sad, sad songs. Purely by happenstance, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot was originally slated to be released on September 11th, 2001. However, in a move that generated a lot of controversy at the time, Reprise Records, the Warner Brothers subsidiary that was Wilco's label at the time, didn't want to release Yankee Hotel Foxtrot at all. They thought it was too weird, too off-putting, not radio-friendly enough. So Wilco wound up self-releasing it a week later on September 18th, and it actually wound up being a really, really successful album for them. So while it didn't actually come out on the day of the World Trade Center attacks, there is kind of no denying the powerful, if completely coincidental, connection between Tweedy's lyrics and the horrifying national tragedy that occurred almost concurrent with the album's release. When Tweedy sings, tall buildings shake, voices escape, singing sad, sad songs, it's not hard to see how people would make an emotional connection there, and it's a very strong connection for those who made it. I've read some testimonials from people who found this song so comforting in that time of stress and grief. And that's just kind of how Tweedy works as a lyricist. He draws these connections, and those connections conjure images that tap into something bigger, this connection of threads that vibrate at great and subtle resonances. To me, this chorus calls forth something more cosmic and abstract, this great profound suffering. I see a grand being with strings of tears stretched down its cheeks, like strings of a great orchestra, ringing in resonance with the mournful melodies of the world. A sad celestial figure spinning in orbit alone. Tall buildings shake, voices escape, singing sad, sad songs. Tilted chords strung down your cheeks, bitter melodies turning your orbit around. Don't cry. And then this perfect transition. You can rely on me, honey. You can come by anytime you want. The gentleness of that second verse, straight into it out of the chorus, describing this tragic figure so hugely alone, and then the drums drop out, and the music just almost arcs out of it onto a floating platform of tremolo strings. Time freezes in midair as Jeff Tweedy sings, Don't cry, you can rely on me. Don't cry You can rely on me, honey You can come by anytime you want 
That section of the song is just a few seconds long, but it's really remarkable. There's so much good going on there in terms of the arrangement and in terms of the lyrics. The strings weren't at the start of the tune, but this re-entrance feels like the real string entrance on this recording. Since the first verse and first chorus were so stripped down, it was really just vocals and rhythm section, nothing remarkable going on. This new color enters, and it's such a dramatic entrance. Tweedy wrote this string arrangement, and it's unusual in a way that kind of tracks with that. It's almost avant-garde at times. Like right now, when the strings come in, they shimmer on this sustained tremolo. They're quickly bowing their strings to get this warbling effect that's amplified by the tonal variations when the two different string parts interact with one another. And it creates an almost physically sensory experience when you listen to it. Don't cry You can rely on me, honey You can come by anytime you want it creates this feeling of floating, and that feeling is enhanced by another smart arranging decision. For just these four bars, Glenn Cochi's drums, they all but drop out. He loses the thump and the pop of the kick and the snare. He just keeps the time on the hi-hat. So all the weight of the chorus just instantly drops away, and the strings come in to pick up the slack, and for four bars, this song turns into floating glass. Don't cry. You can rely on me, honey. You can come by anytime. You see what I mean about the delicacy of this arrangement? It's really subtle, but each choice really matters. There, Kochi sets up the return of the full drum groove after four bars, and when he does that, there's this perfectly placed violin glissando. Sliding down to a held note while the other strings continue their tremolo. Anytime you want I'll be around You write about the stars Each one is a setting sun Lyrically, Tweedy is doing something here that I really enjoy, and that's partly because I like to do it too, but it is a good trick and a really useful one. So what he does is he takes the same basic rhymes and structure from the first verse, and he reuses them in the second verse, but he changes them ever so slightly without changing the underlying rhyme scheme. The end result is that he gets a second verse that's a sort of semi-echo of the first verse. It's connected in this sort of broad way to the original verse, even though it has new lyrics that conjure new new feelings and new imagery in your mind, and it can even put the first verse in a new light in retrospect after you've heard it. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In the first verse, he sings, you can combine anything you want. You can combine anything you want. So in the second verse, he opens with the same lyrics, don't cry, you can rely on me, honey. But then he sings, you can come by any time you want. You can come by it's a little thing, but he does it several times in this song, and he likes to do it in general, and it creates this slight feeling of uncanniness. There's this symmetry that feels almost imagined, especially if you're not listening carefully to the lyrics. Otherwise, the two verses are almost identical, and both times at the end, he sings that you were right about the stars, each one is a setting sun. And remember that he says that, because it'll come up later in much the same way. You write about the stars 
Each one is a setting sun. Then the strings get out of the way for the vocal harmonies of the chorus. Tell building chick, voices escape, singing sad, sad songs. Tune to chords, strung down your cheeks, bitter melodies, turning your orbit around. So as we keep going, I hope that you're noticing how this arrangement works. The first verse is just straight ahead, vocals, rhythm, chords. And then with each new section after that, they introduce a single new element. On the first chorus, it was that acoustic guitar. On the second verse, it was those tremolo strings. And now on the second chorus, the strings actually drop out to make room for another new element, those gentle, quiet harmony vocals. The main melody of this chorus is pretty simple. It's staying put while the chord progression moves downward. It's a pretty classic move where you just have the melody kind of hang out around one note. In this case, it's an A. Tall building shake. He's just kind of sitting on that A while the chord progression constantly moves down that staircase, which offers some nice contrast between the melody and the chord progression. The harmonized vocals that come in on the second chorus, they go a lot higher. They sit up on an F. Tall building shake, which is in a different part of the male vocal register, and that means they're either going to have to be a lot lighter or a lot stronger. There's also a middle part that's kind of over on the left that sits on a C. This basically makes a nice first inversion F major triad, um, but that's tall building shake, kind of right there in the middle, and uh, it's a little harder to hear, but it fills out the chord. Put all three of those vocal parts together and you get a nice vocal harmony that's subtle, especially the way that it's mixed, like the rest of this tune, but that fleshes out that melody in a lovely way. Tall buildings shake, voices escape, singing sad, sad songs, tuned to chords, strung down your cheeks, bitter melodies, turning your orbit around. Tell building shake, voices escape, singing sad, sad songs. Tune to chords, strung down your cheeks, bitter melodies, turning your orbit around. And from there, it's time for the bridge. Voices wide, skyscrapers are scraping together. Your voice is smoking and last cigarettes. All you can get Turning I know I keep talking about the subtlety of this song. This bridge is so subtle that I initially didn't even really hear it as a bridge. Rather than go to some totally different key center or groove like some other bridges do, this one just slightly alters the chorus chord progression to make something that sounds a lot like the chorus, but just slightly different. It starts on the four chord of B flat, which neither the verse nor the chorus do. Then it bounces back between that and the one. And then finally in the second half of the bridge, it actually just goes straight to that descending chord progression from the chorus chorus, albeit with different lyrics. Of course, the most noticeable new musical element on this bridge is that pedal steel guitar. pedal steel guitar is a beautiful instrument that I don't play and I'm unfortunately 
not that familiar with it as a result of that. It looks more like a small desk or maybe a little mallet instrument than a guitar that you, you know, strap over your shoulder and play while standing. You sit at it and you slide your fingers along its strings like a sort of horizontal musical loom. It's a tremendous sound. I love the sound of a pedal steel guitar, and it allows for an independently sliding, sustained glide that almost sounds like an ensemble, and in the context of this song, it's not that dissimilar from what the string section was already doing. It's a perfect texture for this bridge, and as Tweedy's lyrics perform this gear shift into the song's final closing thoughts, the pedal steel guitar carries us forward. What's this Skyscrapers are scraping together Your voice is smoking And last cigarettes are all you can get Turning your it around Lyrically, this bridge is about as abstract as this song gets. To me, it feels like a picture of vast darkness, of teetering on the edge of apocalypse. Voices whine, skyscrapers are scraping together, your voice is smoking. And then, in the final line, some sort of resigned comfort. Last cigarettes are all you can get, turning your orbit around. It's hard to talk about this stuff in direct terms because lyrics like that defy traditional meaning. The kind of meaning that, like, a person might neatly explain with words on a podcast that explains songs. But if you come away from this episode with one thing, I want you to come away with that. That while words do have meaning, it's possible to arrange them so that those individual meanings corroam off of one another to create a new sort of meaning that defies definition, at least in terms of actual language. Language can be used to transcend language. Words can be combined to become pure feeling. Last cigarettes are all you can get, turning your orbit around. Last cigarettes all you can get, turning your orbit around. This final verse is a great example of another powerful songwriting tool, that of drawing out a simple phrase and, in the process, making it dramatically more impactful. The lyric here is as simple as it is powerful, our love is all we have. That's a profound statement, but also a very short and simple one. But by drawing it out and by repeating it, Tweedy makes it clear just how important it is to the overall thrust of the song. After all that we've been through, the tears and sad songs, the apocalyptic damage and bitter melodies, our love is all we have. The impact of those vocals is helped along by the arrangement, which once again makes a subtle shift to change the emotional coloring of the scene. John Sturrett's bass all but drops out here, similar to what Glenn Kochi did at the start of the second verse, and that results in this feeling of space as the bass is suddenly just gone. The strings, however, go in the opposite direction from that first verse. Rather than doing sustained tremolo notes, this time they transition to a plucked pizzicato part, which has a lot more space, and it contributes to that overall sense of open openness, a clear night sky dotted with floating embers from a distant fire. Out of, out of, 
It isn't until Sturrett's bass comes back in that you really realize it wasn't there. And here, the song's final new lyrics, Our love is all of God's money, everyone is a burning sun. And at this point, I don't think I even have to explain how that works. And that's good because I can't. I don't know what it specifically means that our love is all of God's money, but I do know how I feel when I hear that. And here at last, Tweedy subtly tweaks a lyric that he introduced earlier. Instead of each one being a setting sun, now everyone, one word, everyone is a burning sun. Everyone is a burning sun. The full ensemble has finally come together. They restate the chorus, the rhythm section descending, climbing, then descending again, the strings on a repeating ostinato line. They restate the bridge. And then bring us home. All you can get Turning your orbit around Last cigarettes All you can get Turning your orbit around We humans crave meaning. Perhaps even more so in this interconnected digital age with so much information at our fingertips, it can be easy to mistake that information for meaning. We go out in search of the best, the most correct interpretation for a piece of art or a song or a poem. But of course, that's not how art works, that's not how language works, and that's certainly not how meaning works. If Jesus Etc. and the work of great lyricists like Jeff Tweedy, Tori Amos, Joni Mitchell, and so many other artists that I've talked about on this show do one thing, I hope it's to encourage us to let go of the need to hold meaning to one thing and to let a song be free. To simply let it exist and to find meaning in it however we might on that particular afternoon, from that particular vantage, in that particular light. Meaning doesn't have to sit still for us to chronicle and categorize. It moves like water. I can't really put it any better than Jeff Tweedy did himself when talking to Ezra Klein last year, so I'll let him and Wilco have the last word. People really want to know what things mean, and I'm, I'm no different. I think that's, I rely upon my brain really craving meaning. But in the case of some of these lyrics that I write that tend to be more abstract, what they mean to me is the feeling, the shock of mystery that happens when I say them out loud or when I sing them. And that's what it means to me. That's why poetry exists. That's why songs exist. They say things that we can't say with linear language, the way you describe it. It's just using the texture and the feel of language to, uh, I don't know, reach parts of who we are that our intellects don't really have much control over. Cigarettes all you can get Turning your orbit around Last cigarettes 
That'll do it for my episode on Jesus Etc. by Jeff Tweedy, Jay Bennett, and Wilco. I hope you enjoyed it. I didn't really plan it this way, but as I worked on it, this episode began to feel like a sort of a conclusion to a quadrilogy of episodes that began with Wichita Lineman, then Silent All These Years, and Joni's Help Me, songs with particularly strong lyrics. Lyrics are such an important part of songwriting, of course, and it was nice to spend an extended amount of time in the worlds conjured by so many of pop songwriting's greatest lyricists. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed these episodes as much as I enjoyed making them. And if you're like, okay, come on, enough with the introspective lyric stuff, don't worry, we're going to do something very different on the next upcoming episode. I'm already working on it, and I'm very excited. It's going to be really cool. If you like strong songs, I hope that you'll consider becoming a patron or making a donation. So far, I've been able to keep it going entirely based on listener support, and that has been wonderful. So yeah, if you dig the show, if you like what I'm doing, I hope you'll consider chipping in. It always feels a little precarious to just be out here all by myself making a show with no real support in place, like a network or anything like that. But I really do believe in this show. I think this show should exist. Clearly, a lot of you feel that way as well, and that helps it feel a lot less precarious. So thanks so much to everyone who is a patron or who's sent along a donation. Links to Patreon, PayPal, social media, newsletter, and more down in the show notes. I'm still lining up some new outro solists, but in the meantime, in honor of a recent Patreon bonus episode I made all about electric guitar, I'll feature one of my oldest music friends and one of the first outro solos I ever recorded, Dan Nervo on the electric guitar. So stick around for Dan, and I'll be back in two weeks with more Strong Songs. Strong Songs